All right, hi everybody, welcome to Journey of Faith. Uh, We're having a pool party, great that we can be together. Uh, If you're new with us, my name is Jason Cusick, I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I wanna say welcome, so glad you're with us today. We have some fun things happening right after the service that you can be a part of. Uh, Also, if you're at our Torrance campus, uh, great that we can be connected like this, uh, live there at Torrance. We got the same things happening right outside Torrance at the end of the service. It's gonna be great that we can be together. We are in week three, the final week of a three-week series that we've been calling Dive In. And the theme of this series is rather than just dipping a toe into God's mission and what God is doing in the world, we are encouraging each other to dive into what God wants to do. Specifically, here is a church leading up to next week. Next week is our fall kickoff series. Every fall, we kind of design a series and a church experience that is specifically aimed at helping all of us invite our friends and family and coworkers and neighbors who maybe have no church experience or who have been away from church for a while to come join us. And it's actually a time of year where a lot of people try out church for the first time or return to church after being away. And so we've actually designed a bunch of great stuff for people to feel welcomed and loved. And the message series that we're starting next week is called Positive Influence. We've already talked about this. The idea behind this series is we live in a world uh, where there's a lot of negativity. And every one of us are influencers. And so we might not have millions of followers on social media, but we can all influence people at work and at school and in our neighborhoods. So how can we be people of positive influence? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the life of Jesus and we're gonna see five components of his life that allowed him to be a positive influence and we're gonna say how can we mirror that and and do that in our lives? So be thinking of those those people in your life that you can invite to church to to bring along. It's going to be a great time. And so in this series, what we've been doing for three weeks is kind of getting us connected with what we do as a church and excited about what we do. Um, In the first week of this series, we talked about the idea of invitation. The spiritual life is actually invitational. God invites us to experience God's love and forgiveness and then invites us to invite others And so we said, make a list of some people that can say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? We'll go to lunch afterwards, and it'd be great. It's a a great time. The second week, last week, we talked about the idea of groups, and that is the spiritual life is not a solitary experience. It's not just me and God. It's all of us, and there's something powerful when we realize that the spiritual life is a shared experience. And so we invited you to get connected to a group that's connected to the church. Today we're gonna talk about the third component that's really important for us here at this church and such an important part about the spiritual life and it's this topic, serving. The idea behind this is that the spiritual life is really about us helping create environments so other people can experience God's love and forgiveness. And we've all done this at different points in our lives where we've, we've created an environment so somebody else can enjoy it. I, had this, I was thinking seven years ago, uh, we invited Alex Grauman, who is our Torrance campus pastor, uh, to be uh, working at this church. So we traveled from Minnesota to California 
and he was here three weeks and somebody from the church said, we want to host a pool party to welcome Alex and his family. Now, Alex, who is a self-described avid indoorsman, was like, I don't know anybody, and now you're inviting me to come over and get in swim trunks and go swimming with you. Um, Is that what people do in California? Is that the church that I've said yes to, is that we just start having pool parties with each other? And uh, we kind of say, yeah, that's what we do. We invite people over. So... um, we invited them to our friend's house. Our, our friend, our kids have grown up together and they have pool parties all the time. They'd invite us over. So my friend said, hey, could you come a little bit early and help me get the pool set up? I was like, sure. So I showed up and it needed some help. I mean, he had like a pool cover that was like really heavy to get off. There were leaves everywhere. You don't need to have that weird, you know, sea creature vacuum in there and everything. And then there were... The, the patio needed to be clean. There were inflatable things, but they were just all like crumpled up in the corners and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I better get to work. And as I was prepping the pool with him, I realized I've been invited to this guy's house for years and I've never prepped the pool. He's always done this. So as I'm setting stuff up, I'm just thanking him. I'm like, thank you for serving me and my family by getting out here early, doing all this work so I could just show up and enjoy the pool. And as I was setting up, it was making me more excited about having everything just right for Alex and his family to have a good time. I was like, over the, well, how, well, what do you think about this? Let me get this thing cleaned up. Let me have this ready in case he likes this thing. And it really kind of gave me more buy-in to this pool party. And it worked. Alex showed up. Alex and his family were there. They had a great time. I was talking about this with him last week, and I was like, do you have any pictures from this thing? So he looked around, and he found some pictures. Here's a picture of, there's me, there's Alex, and here's our children stacked up on top of each other, having a good time at the pool. And it was just, it was really great. Let me ask you this question. When is the last time you put in some effort to prep somebody else to have a good experience? Maybe it was like a party or a project or you even got your home ready for someone to come visit or you're at school and you're kind of getting something ready for a class presentation. Like a really great way to show somebody that you care about them and you want them to have a good time is to do the prep so that they can have a great experience. And what's true at school and at work and in our homes is true for the spiritual life. What God is inviting us into is to help prep environments so people can have an experience with Jesus. And that's the main idea of what I want to talk to you about today is this. We can prep the seat that will change someone's eternity. So I want to share with you a story that kind of points to this a little bit from the Bible. And then we're going to end our service by celebrating Communion, which is just kind of a beautiful symbolic way of saying, Jesus, you prepped eternity for me. And it's a way to say thank you for that. Here's where we're going to look in the Bible to find this story. It's in the book of Mark, chapter 2. Mark is one of four books in the New Testament that record the life and teachings of Jesus. And we think Mark was written first. It's one of the oldest pieces of Christian literature we have. We think it was written around 50 to 70 AD, which was a a really early dating 
to record an event that's taken place according to ancient literature. And what we're gonna read takes place as Jesus has become more popular with his teaching and his miracle working and then he ends up going home. Now, home for Jesus in first century Palestine was actually possibly three different locations. I'll just show you a map here. Uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which was in lower uh, area of first century Palestine. He grew up in a town called Nazareth. And then as he started doing his teaching and his miracle working, people were like, this is Joseph's son. This is the carpenter's son. Get out of here. So they kind of kicked him out of Nazareth. But he spent a lot of his adult life in a northern city called Capernaum. And that's where our story takes place. So let me read this story to you. And then we're going to see how it, it, what it has to say to us about the idea of, of prepping environments for people to experience Jesus. Here's what it says. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later after the events right before this, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room even outside the door. So you can imagine how full it was. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him into Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above Jesus' head. Now let's just stop for a moment because how do you dig a hole through a roof? The roofing in that day wasn't like the roofing that we have is a little bit different. Let me show you a picture of, of what first century homes kind of look like. So there's usually kind of a staircase that led up here, and then this was like, a, like an outdoor patio area. And it was usually made of like tightly packed mud and straw, and, and sometimes there was a layer of tile on the top. So as these people went up to dig out that hole, it probably took some time and some work to do that digging. And it, 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 it took a little effort to do it, to get that guy up there. And that once they opened up, once they unroofed the roof, uh, then it says this. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. It says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now, that was a bold statement because what we read in next is that the religious leaders, when Jesus said to somebody, your sins are forgiven, the religious leaders were like, bro, only God can forgive sins. And then Jesus was like, bro, let me, let me tell you, what do you think's harder for me? To say your sins are forgiven or to reverse a man's paralysis so he walks right out of this house? Which one do you think is harder? To show you that I can forgive sins? I'm gonna heal this guy. And this is what it says. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man, said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Something powerful is happening. Jesus speaking to this man healing, there must have been refusing of damaged vertebra happening as Jesus is speaking these words, something physiological is happening in this guy's body as a result of Jesus' spoken word to this man. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. People are like, 
what is going on? They were all amazed and they praised God, exclaiming, they said, we've never seen anything like this before. Now, this isn't just a miraculous healing because the point of this story is very similar to the point of a lot of other miracles from Jesus. They're actually pointing to a much more powerful truth and it's this word, forgiveness. Jesus healed this person not just simply so he could go back to a life or be fully active. Jesus healed this person as a physical sign that he had the power to forgive sin. Now here's what I found really powerful about this story. What is it that inspired Jesus to forgive this person? Was it the man's brokenness and sorrow over his sin? Was it the paralyzed man's guilt and regret for the things he had done wrong? Was it the paralyzed man's desire to somehow get into that house in order to experience being in the presence of Jesus? The story says it was none of those things. What inspired Jesus to forgive this man? This man. It was the faith of his friends. Did you catch that? He said, seeing their faith, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Jesus looked at these people and said, you have a desire. You desire your friend to experience something powerful for me. I'm going to do it because of your faith. And these Friends of this man had such faith. They were willing to do controversial, bold, daring steps to get their friend to Jesus. I was reading a Bible commentary and the the Bible scholar put it this way. He said, they dared to do the difficult, the dangerous, the controversial in order to bring their friend into the presence of Jesus. I think this story is kind of a motivator to us. Are we willing to do what it takes to get our friends and family members into a place where they can experience God's love and God's forgiveness and the transformation that we know is so possible? Are we willing to be daring? Are we willing to be dangerous? Are we willing to at least symbolically tear through roofs to make it happen? That's the opportunity we have. Here's that main idea again. We can prep the seat that will change someone's eternity. Now, before I give you a couple of ways that we can do this, let me ask you this question. Who prepped a seat for you? Who is it in your life that got you here today? That showed you the love of God? That invited you to church? that maybe raised you to think about spiritual things? Who prepared the way for you to be here? Does someone, just one person come to mind in your mind of somebody that prepped a seat for you? Would you take a moment right now and just thank God for them in your mind? I'm thinking of somebody right now. Now, here's a question. If, if you're able to, 
if it's possible, could you write that person a handwritten note this week? Say, you know, I'm in a place in my life right now where I'm really feeling a lot more purpose. Or I'm in a place in my life now where I was lonely before and now I have a community of people. Or I've been wanting to explore faith for a while and you helped me get to a place that I am today and I just wanted to say thank you. Would you write them a note this week? A handwritten note, not a text. Don't send them an email. The research says that people who receive email or text, they usually read it once. A person, statistically, a person who reads a handwritten note who receives it will usually read it four to six times. Take the time and write them and say thank you. And then let's pay it forward. Here's a couple of really practical ways that we pay it forward around here. Number one, prepare a seat for people through generosity. You know what generosity is? Generosity is when we say no matter how much or how little I have, there's always enough for somebody else. The people that helped this paralyzed man up onto the roof, I'm sure some of them were like, I don't really have the time to do this. There was probably one that says, I'm, I'm not that strong. I, I carry that person. The other one was like, I don't want to get my hands dirty. But you know what? Together, they pooled their generosity together. And they, you know what? If we do this together, we can get him into the presence of Jesus. And they were passionate about it. That's what happens. See, when we pool together and we say, we've all got time, treasure, talent, we pool it together, we can do amazing things. That's why we're in this building and in Torrance, that's why you're in that building today. This church, 112 years ago, a group of people said, we want to start a church right here in the South Bay where we sing every week and we teach the Bible every week and then we do meaningful things to help reach out in the community. We're here today because people pooled together their time, talent, and treasure so we could be here. And then seven years ago, we were like, hey, our mission's bigger than one building. Let's do it again. And we opened up towards. We're here because other people pool their generosity. Now we pool our generosity and we make it happen. And that would lead us, I think this story, I know it leads me, maybe it leads, can lead all of us to do this. Take a step of sacrifice to help someone get closer to Jesus. What would it look like this week, next week, this month, this season? Maybe, it, maybe you're like, oh, I'm kind of uncomfortable talking about a relationship with God with people. Maybe you could dig through that comfort a little bit. Maybe you're like, oh, I don't have enough time. Yeah, you do. Just need to reorder the time you have. Maybe it's partnering with somebody to help people get closer to Jesus, to help create that environment. And then the practical way, and we talk about all the time, a couple of times a year I, I show this image for, for us that come here regularly. It's this, it's called a generosity ladder. Part of what we do, we're here today because people actually contributed money so that we could have this building. And we could have wonderful air conditioning, praise the Lord. And they contributed money. And by the way, we don't sell a product here and make a profit. The reason we're able to do everything we do is because each one of us says, we work and then we take part of what we make at our work and we donate it to this so we all get to do it together. So we're all kind of like chipping in to be able to do something. And so some of you, you've probably never given at a church before. 
You can be like, I never really thought about it. Some of you are getting, some of our students are getting first-time jobs. Some of you have moved into a new job. You're like, oh, I'm getting paid. Yeah, what would it be like to give part of that to what God is doing here? Some of you have done that before, but it's not regular. What would it be like every paycheck? See, I want to give part of this to what God's doing right here in the South Bay, where we're chipping in together to do that. Other people take a, a role of what's called tithing. That's 10% of income. I, I was taught that the week after I became a Christian. Somebody said, you know what? Every amount of money you make, 10%. I was like, what about my birthday money? They were like, that too. Like, I don't even earn that money. But it, it got me into a rhythm. And those of you that do this 10% principle, you know how it changes how you look at money. It helps you be more wise, more thoughtful, about spending and about giving, and God blesses it. And then some of you give above and beyond that. You're like, that's not enough. I want to give more. I want to find some other ways to do it. That's one way that we do it. We, we, we give generously financially. That's one of the ways that we prep environments and seats for people to be able to get closer to God. And you know what I love about this ladder? There's no f- number attached to it. There's no amount It's what you feel. You pray about it, you think about it, you sort it out, and then you figure out where you're at. And some of you might be like, well, I'm here, but God might want me to move up that ladder. So that's one way. But let me talk about another way that God helps us prep the place for Jesus, and it's this. Prepare a seat for people through serving at church. So that's what these people, they were serving, right? They were serving this guy on a mat. It says his four friends Like I said earlier, I'm sure one of them was like, I don't want to get my hands dirty. I'll do the lifting part. And then the other one's like, I'll do the digging part because I've got a bad back, you know? And I'm sure there are one of these friends that's like, you guys lift and dig. When you get the hole open, then I'll be like, Jesus, here he comes. You know, like that's, there's always, there's always one person in the group that wants to be kind of the spotlight, you know, person or something like that. But fine. They're all cooperating, right? They're all using their gifts and their talents. And each, each one of us has something we can do. When I first became a Christian, I didn't know anything about what it meant to follow Jesus. So I said yes to Jesus, and then I was like, what do I do now? And they say, you do three things. You tell everybody in your life what God has done for you, and then you ask if they would like to experience something similar. I'm like, okay, what else? They say, you read the Bible, and then you talk with other people who are reading the Bible, and y'all brainstorm about how to actually live it out. I'm like, okay. And I said, what else? And they said, serve. And I said, what do you mean serve? They said, look around at church and see where people need help and get in there and help. So that's what I did. I I didn't even pray about it. I was like, where do you need help? And so after several years, I had done pretty much everything. I worked in the parking lot, screening people at the door. I was on the prayer team. I helped lead a little Bible study. I visited people in the hospital. Um, I was helping with some outreach. I was even leading worship for a few years. Like I was just, where do you need me? What can I do? And then over time, I found where my best fit was. And my experience in serving is what I've seen other people experience in serving. And it's this. Look at this list here. Serving at church is a way to worship God with your talents. 
Some of us think of worship and we think of the singing part of the service. Like, well, I showed up for worship and then there was a message. Yeah, but when you're serving, you're worshiping too. People that are taking care of the kids, working in the parking lot, greeting at the door, working on our tech team, that's worship. It's using your skills and your abilities to help people move closer to God. It keeps you others focused rather than self-focused. This is really big. This is a really big one. I always encourage, so those of you that are adults with small kids, I want to encourage you, get your kids involved in serving as early as possible. Because what you want to do is you want to create an environment where when your kid thinks about the spiritual life, they don't just think about their individual relationship with Jesus, they think about how their relationship with Jesus impacts the community. And that's an important trait to build in early because if you don't, our children grow up to be consumers rather than contributors. And then serving builds in some character traits that are essential for a healthy life across the board. Things like altruism, things like resilience, things like commitment. See, when you're committed to doing something, you show up. And that's really important because the temptation to not show up and be involved in a community experience like that is really high. I have that where I'm like, I don't want to go to church today. And my wife is like, but you're preaching. (laughs) Same thing. We we have people like, oh, I wasn't going to go, but I know I'm working the lights today. So I'm going to go. And then you go and you go, I'm so glad I came. Y'all had that experience where you're like, I don't want to go to that thing. And then you show up and after you're just, well, I'm glad. Sometimes you've got to hit, get over that bump. And that comes from being committed and being on one of our serving teams. It enhances your interpersonal and teamwork skills. We talked about that last week with groups. It helps you find your people. Some people are like, oh, you come to a church like us, it's a big church. You sit and then you leave and you go, gosh, I'm kind of lonely. I haven't met anybody. Try serving. You know who you meet when you're serving? Other people that are interested in serving. And those are quality people. And it gets you excited to invite people to church. That's a big thing. Now I've rolled through this list. That's me talking. Let me have you hear it from somebody else. I'm gonna show you a video of my daughter. So my daughter has been serving for several years. She's served like the whole time she's been here at church, but she's been doing something recently. And I asked her to give her story and here she is on video. I'm Alaya. I've been serving on the production team for almost four years. Serving on the production team has really helped me realize that this church isn't just my parents' church, it's my church too. And um, I get to help make it happen every week. And because of that, I'm excited to invite people to church every week. Serving has also helped me discover what I want to do with my future. And I've chosen to major in tech and production at college next year. I've been able to meet a lot of really cool people and um, it's been really nice. Um, Serving has just really given me another family to spend time with and it's really helped me come out of my shell. I'm not even a morning person, but it's so easy to just wake up and be motivated to go to church because I get to serve with the people that I love. Overall, my faith is getting stronger because I get to help other people make their faith stronger. And now back to my dad. So, great stuff. 
And here at Manhattan Beach, she's directing today. So she's helping all the camera cuts and all the transitions from things. So thanks, honey. Thanks for doing that. And, and, and I know it's not for everyone. My, my daughter, I mean, I'm embarrassing now, honey. But I mean, my daughter's not a morning person. But she's up at 6 a.m. every Sunday because she has to be here at 7. Because she's committed every week. And there's something powerful about finding a serving team to be a part of. And you don't have to serve every week. You don't have to serve in one area or another. Like, to find a way to serve. It can be during the middle of the week. It can be in our outreaches. There's all, it can be in our mission trips. There's all kinds of ways to get involved. What would that look like for you? What would it look like to get involved in one way to serve at church this fall? Here's a QR code. You can scan this QR code. It'll take you to our volunteer page. And you can look at all the different ways to sign up. Click on one, try one out. Doesn't work for you? Try something else. You can also go on our website. It says volunteer. You show on, you look on there. You say, how can I get involved? Think about it, but dive in. Let's do something. Here's what we talked about today. We can prep the seat that will change someone else's eternity through generosity and through serving a church. And this is what it's all about. Forgiveness. God wants to get his message of love and forgiveness into our community. And God doesn't do it on his own. God's saying, I want to partner with all of you. I want us to do it together. And God's saying, will you join me? Let's find a way. God has equipped each and every one of you with time, talent, and treasure. Let's pool it together so other people can experience forgiveness.